from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. from the Pathway Studios here in Johnston proper. So it says you, you don't know anything about me. Lawyer. You've not, uh, I tell, Nathaniel. Yes. How many people, like, are you, do you tell secrets? You feel like you're a man who tells secrets? No, I'm a man who holds secrets. You, my beard is a beard of secrets, actually. You don't have, you don't wear a beard. Exactly. It's so secretive that it's not <laughs> even there. Dang. I didn't see that happening. The unseen beard. Okay. Anyway, uh, thanks for hanging out with us on Live from the Path. <laughs> Here's what we have going on t- tonight. Uh, Dan, you yeah. had, hold on, Dan had a couple, uh, a couple items. Uh, they were just interesting reads, I thought. So I thought that there was, there was an article on seven reflections on the state of the evangelical church, uh, ten things you should never say to your pastor, and then, interestingly, Dan had, uh, look, look, Dan's going to cover the show this week. Dan had put out a quote, something to a kin of, like, once, if you're, if you're public school and your kid... And once they hit 11, past 11, um, uh, it's very difficult to get them to, to align. And that's, it wasn't your quote, but so, someone... It was you, an obscure, uh, in that uh, second article I about the, uh, the discipleship, or, yeah. or, or the... It, yeah, there's some obscure little quote in there. Okay. And it just stuck out to me. I thought, huh. So, the, so I, I want to talk about that on... Um, uh, does that sound right? Or in what ways is that true? In what ways is it not true? And uh, that's... that's uh, what was the quote? So, Dan, do you have it? Uh, I could get it real quick here. Uh, okay. Uh, here, while Dan's looking for that, we're going to talk about 10 things uh, you should never say to your pastor. Okay, quick quick guess. Nathaniel, uh, can you give me one? One thing you think is on this list. That I shouldn't say to a pastor? I, I, yeah. Do, what, well, what do you think is on this list that tell, someone says, hey, you shouldn't say that to the pastor? Uh, a great sermon this week. One of your best. Oh, congratulations and any type of encouragement. Well, Daniel says, eh. no, like, uh, you know, it's like the, 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 you know, if you say it every week, then, uh, then oh. it doesn't ring true. Yeah. You know how they're like shaking hands afterwards. Yeah. What are your best this week, preacher? I used to have a gal every week say, great sermon, Larry. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not Thank Larry. You. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I was 20, 20 then. So I was, that was a back away. Oh, man. Awesome. Okay, we got, that's a t-shirt. That's the T-shirt for this week. Yeah, great sermon, Larry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's great. All right, Mike, what do you think's on the list? Uh, have you ever considered bringing in a guest speaker? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that might be rough. Dan, uh, uh, Dan's already seen the list, uh, but I can't remember it. That was a long time <laughs> oh, ago. Oh, that's right. That's right. I, I think I, I got to put this in the question. Um, can, can you unclog the toilet real quick, please? Oh yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Or is that is that a new toupee? As you, like, as you're going to the stage. <laughs> okay, all right. So here's here's the. I think these are going to be less funny than what we came up with. Oh, bummer. Uh, number one, the pastor is not meeting my needs. Now, why would you talk about him in the third person? I feel like they got, they got like, hey, pastor, the pastor is not meeting my needs. It's Just weird, between me and you. It's a weird thing to say. He <laughs> uh, says he's not there to meet your needs. Jesus does that. The pastor right? is there as a shepherd to watch over the entire flock and to see that help. Boy, this is weird because the the this website cuts off. So it seems to say, and to see that healthy fools is available, healthy food is available. 
and safe procedures are in place. He's not. He's there to make you holy, not happy. Wait a minute. So, so are they saying this because it it happens? Oh, it does happen. I've heard. I've had that happen. They say, "Hey, you're not meeting my needs. You're just not. You're not feeding me." Oh. Like, well, I haven't really tried. I figure well, you're I an think adult. They should you should rebut yourself. <laughs> they don't like that, and then they get mad. Usually, they they'll say that when they get to the point they're already out the door anyway. They're just trying to find. They're grasping at something, and right. it's like you're just not meeting my needs. Like, okay, okay, well. Good luck to you. Yeah. I mean, okay, let's put it in a little bit of perspective, though. Right? Is there merits in staying in a community, even let's say that the pastor is not, like, like the, let's say the Sunday morning service or the teaching on Sunday isn't, isn't your cup of joe? Like, is that a good enough reason to leave a community, a church community? Or let's say you don't like the worship. Right? Let's say that you're more of a traditional worship person, but they got a pretty modern flair to them. You don't really dig it, but the teaching's okay, and like you're there for, and, and the community's good. Like, what is a good yeah. reason to leave? See, in principle, I would say that is not a good reason yeah. to leave. But I've also not been in that situation to uh, actually be there and. and <laughs> Den says, I sit under excellent teaching every week, <laughs> courtesy of Larry. <laughs> I love Larry. Um, <laughs> Is she actually confusing you with a brother, or is it like she just does not know your name? I think she knew my brother, Larry. Okay, okay. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know why she would. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say um, if it's not heresy and it, like, it, it is competently done, um, like that, should not be the, that shouldn't be the thing that causes you to go or not go. It depends, yeah, it depends on your, on your context. Like some churches, the guys are in and out every three years, and it's like, just be patient. He'll be gone. Mm. Don't, don't make him go. You know, don't, don't stir trouble. But he'll be gone. He just will. Uh, it, if that's not the setting, and, and you know, you've waited 15 years, you're like, well, maybe, maybe you know, if you really are stale and stagnant, maybe you need to do something. Because mm. uh, for whatever reason, you're not doing it on yourself either. Yeah, I guess that would be the thing, is I would... And maybe I have a bias towards this, but like, I mean, I, there are there are ways to to not be so dependent on any given thing within a church. Mm-hmm. Like, I've been to plenty. I've been to, uh, I think prior prior to maybe when we were here, um, there were the churches before them were like there were older folk, and like I didn't care for the worship at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it didn't particularly matter. I still played in the band, and like they were still talking about Jesus, and it didn't particular, you know. I, I didn't have an expectation that it was there to do anything but, like, uh, represent true things about Jesus. And as long as it was doing that, then, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was listening to uh, Elevation Worship has a, new, uh, has a new album out. And, uh, boy, there's some, real, there's some real stingers in there. And uh, so I come, somebody put, um, one of the songs was like the uh, mic, you're your, your nose is breathing into the microphone. My nose hairs are coming yeah. out. No, I can, I can hear it. And, and rubbing on it like that's the real, scrubbing bubbles. That's real nasty. That's what I'm doing. That's real nasty. Mm. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, like one of the songs was uh, basically Matthew 5, almost in its entirety, just like set to music. I, was pretty, I mean, so they were some good tunes. But then... Um, but they're not songs I would normally listen to. Like, I, if I heard things on the radio like this, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stop and go, "Hey, man, look at the cut of that jib. I want some more of it." <laughs> like, it's just not for me. But, but in its context, there were some really powerful and good, and they're true and scripturally sound songs in this bucket. And so, in fact, I was telling my wife that like it's interesting. Some of contemporary Christian music actually 
is a little bit unique in that you don't actually hear other things like it on the radio. There's some uniqueness to it, of which it's kind of its own category, and maybe that's good, maybe that's bad, depending on who you are. But um, anyway, like uh, I don't think that's a good reason to. I don't think it's a good reason to leave. I mean, do you, do you feel like that's something that uh, you prayerfully consider the community that God has you in? Because, like, I, I mean, I know people that have left uh, wonderful church homes where they sat under good teaching and liked the worship and had great community, and God moved them. Yeah. And that happens. Yeah, yeah, totally. You know, and so, like, for the same reason that, like, uh, you know, you can be at a place that's falling apart, the teaching's rough, uh, there's the pews are full of Pharisees, and, and the worship leaders are prima donna, and you go, God, do you have work for me here? Uh, and he says, yeah, I need you to stay. You're the person that I've shown the difference, so you need to hang tight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say, yeah, totally. It's a, um, I, I do think God will move his folks around to go do things. Um, I think, and maybe, Dan, this has been your experience, um, like, of the times, to, to the one you just said, like, people were leaving for whatever reason, shallow or otherwise, and they're like, yeah. it's, a pers- it's a preference problem, or it's, they're, they're actually not saying, what does God want me? They're like, hey, I just want to get out of here. Yeah, that's a completely different ball. Those are two different, completely yeah. different things. Um, yeah, if, 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 if this guy believe God moves people around to do what he wants, how he accomplishes will, and, and he does that in, in marvelous ways he has throughout history, and that's incredible. But yeah, if it's just someone just like, yeah, I just don't know, uh, I'm kind of bored, I'm going to do something different, I just want to, they're not going to do anything, they're not looking to get involved, they just, they just want a different show. Yeah, yeah, right, they want to change the channel. Yeah, exactly, that's all yeah. it is. And it's like, well, you're kind of, you know, I, I'm not going to miss you. I mean, sorry. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I mean, <laughs> uh, disappointed. Uh, but what do, you, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, the second one was, I'm not being spiritually fed. We're going to skip that one because I think that's basically the first one. Yeah. yeah. The third one was, I have a right. The Christian faith is about the grace and mercy of God. We thank God he does not give us what we deserve. Faithful believers show the same kind of dedication and love to one another, but at no point is a child of God to insist on his rights. I don't... What, what is this in reaction to? Is this like, um, I have a right to sin? Like, I don't understand. Usually it's in an opinion about something, you know. Uh, I, I have... Oh, I wish I could think of something quickly. Um... You know, I, I have a right to go ahead and sing this solo right now, even though, it, you know, nobody wants me to. Um, or or uh, I, I, want, I want to play, I want to jump up and down and bang a tambourine just because I have a right to. You're weird. I, I mean, whatever, you know, you know, those are bad examples. But um, I, I've definitely heard that flavor of I can do whatever the heck I want uh, as opposed to, hey, this is the direction we're going. Like, no, I'm going a different direction. Yeah. And I have the right to do that. It's like, well, just go ahead and go do that somewhere else. Uh, it's generally my my thought on that. Um, yeah, so it's like a, it's just like a uh, I want to do what I want to do type of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, right. I don't care what the majority wants. I don't care what the leadership wants. I don't care anything else. Uh, I just have a right to do what I want. Yeah, weird. All right, four. I'm not one to gossip, but... I mean, uh, this is not a pastor-specific problem, but although, right. do you see this, Dan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, don't say that. Just because yeah. it's a... Just, yeah. just stop it. Yeah. If you... <laughs> go ahead. That's when I, when I saw this, this I thought, it, it really, this is stuff you shouldn't say to anybody. Yeah, right. It wasn't like a past, <laughs> pastor. It, it, but uh, that's why I thought, well, it's more gener- general than just a specific slice of people out there yeah. that you shouldn't say this to. Yeah. You know, and I feel like I have unwittingly... Done. Not, I've not said that, but like, um, 
if there's people that th- like people that I know others have been praying for, I think there are times when I've not as been as cautious as I should have been around like sharing updates about folk. Mm-hmm. Um, and and on the other side of it, I thought, you know, I don't, I'm not sure. That probably that felt a little bit m- more gossipy and less like. Um, maybe that wasn't my place. Yeah, maybe it was. My, yeah, that yeah. that was it. It's not wasn't untrue or anything. It wasn't yeah. s- scandalous or whatever. But it wasn't my place. Yeah. to do that. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Five. Now, now I'm not saying who, but some people are unhappy about. <laughs> it's your wife. The- <laughs> <laughs> it always is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that sounds right. That sounds right. Um, yeah, the the mystery, the, the 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 benevolent man who's representing the people, even though. He doesn't believe in it. He just thinks you should know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's, how do you rectify this? Like, if you, let's say you did hear something and they weren't willing to come tell the pastor, uh, what's, what do you, how do you react? We just had this discussion in a meeting today. There was a safety meeting. And fellas, they're like, hey, we, like, uh, the, the big thing is reporting a near-miss incident. And no one wants to report near-misses because it means that you probably screwed something up and you don't want to look bad. And so they said, well, look, we're promising, you know, we're not going to use this against you. We just, we need to start getting data and keeping better track of this thing, whatever. And a couple of fellas raised their hand and they say, I, I, I don't, I'm not willing to submit a report like that, but I am willing to do it anonymous, anonymously. And I said, well, that's stupid. I mean, either you put your name on it and you say, here's what I've done, or here's what happened, or here's what I saw a guy do. Or you, anybody could say anything and lob a thing in there and, and, and not own it, you know? And so like either way, a true thing happened, right? You're just saying whether you're willing to say, yes, it did, and not try to cover it up. So at the end of the day, I don't take in anonymous feedback from anybody. Right. I feel like if you have something to say, then... Like I've had someone say, hey, there's a, a guy was talking to me and he's worried about this and this happening. I'm like, well, what's his name? They're like, oh, he, he was talking to me about it. He, he didn't feel comfortable talking to you. And I said, well, as soon as he does, tell him I'll be in here. Because, <laughs> I mean, I talking to you about it, you don't feel that way. Yeah. So that seems like a big waste of time. That, that, that's usually it's someone trying to make an issue bigger than it really is. People are talking. Uh, I represent a group, and I've yeah. come here to tell you. And so if you could just say, hey, let's get that group together and have a conversation. I'd love to talk to the whole group about this. It usually dies right there. Um, and if it is a whole group, then it's probably worthy of a conversation. Right. I mean, Act six, they had a conversation. Hey, you're not feeding the right. You know, some people are not getting fed. And you're like, oh, true. I didn't even notice that. Thanks. Let's but get that fixed. That's a generally if they're like, like who's in your group, and they're like Daryl and Bill. Well, as soon as you tell me Daryl and Bill are in there, I know this is just a bunch of clucking hens. Yeah. <laughs> like Daryl and Bill like to cause a lot of trouble about all kinds of things. So why don't you tell Daryl and Bill to come visit? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I suppose the encouragement then is, is like if you hear something like that, you encourage someone to say, hey, uh, well, you need to take them to it directly, but I don't feel comfortable. Well, then either it's not that big of a deal or I'll go with you. But yeah. either way, I'm not doing it on your, on your behalf. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that, frankly, that's, that doesn't show, that's uh, disrespectful to, I don't care who, whether it's a pastor or anybody else, it's disrespectful to that person um, going through a middleman. Yeah, it's the same thing with apologies. And uh, anytime you're reporting behavior to someone else, like this, this smoky half truth of a thing, you're like, "I'm sorry for my behavior." You're sorry for what? What did you do? <laughs> right? Don't <laughs> oh, tell me know. this. Or yeah. like, I was at the. My daughter does this all the time. She comes home from school. She's like, "I was talking to a friend of mine, and this and this." She tells this big old story. I'm like, "Who's the friend?" Oh, it's this and that. I'm like, "Why don't you just say that?" When you leave the friend's name out, you sound fishy. <laughs> 
you know, like almost everybody who's ever told me lies leaves out like major details yeah. that would define the story well. You know, like I was just out riding around uh, and I was doing some errands, and then all of a sudden I ran into my this and this uh, drunk friend of mine. I'm like, where were you doing errands at? You know what I'm saying? Were you were you at the Dollar General or were you down by the homeless shelter? Because these two things sound like you're leaving big chunks of the story out for a reason. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I feel like for people to have almost any credibility, I need to be blown away by your honesty. And then I feel like we can have a conversation, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, number six was, I gave the money for that, so I'll make the decision as to how it's to be used. Oh, but you didn't, sir. <laughs> See, you gave the money to us and to church as an organization, which you, sir, are not on the decision-making body. You could apply. <laughs> We'd love to have you, but as of right now, you are not. Yeah. It says, uh, this says, once our gifts are in the offering plate, they belong to the Lord and his church. The donor relinquishes all control and is entitled to nothing as a result. Even the IRS agrees with that. Okay. See, I don't know how you don't get snarky about it and be like, why don't you go ahead and pray? If God wants you to give the money back, uh, I, will, I will return it to you. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, you know, I, I, I would like to invoke the, the Lord in the middle of this because I don't know the truth of it. <laughs> you know, that is actually, it actually is a, a, an IRS thing, too, that if uh, someone designates, you know, hey, I gave $100 to get a new bill, and you're like, well, we're not really getting a new bill. And uh, they're like, yeah, but that's what that money's going for. The leadership can go, yeah, we're not going to use that for a bill. And you're not hamstrung to right, right. To take it like once it's it, it goes from one organization to another. You yeah. can't earmark it for a special thing. If they're you know the verified leaders of that group who are responsible for the funds, then they can they can they can go. Yeah, sorry. Hmm. We don't want no dang bail. <laughs> we changed our mind on that bail. <laughs> Uh, seven. Sorry, I don't have a gift for that. Uh. <laughs> Every believer can serve in a hundred ways, whether we are gifted in a particular area or not. So this is someone saying, hey, uh, we need someone to help uh, be a parking lot attendant. You say, the Lord has not gifted me in this way. Now, see, we've done that, though, because we, like, get on stage and we're like, everybody has a spiritual gift. Maybe yours is sweeping floors. That Look, man, that's not a spiritual gift. That's just a duty. <laughs> that's everybody got to do it, <laughs> right? Like, everybody has the capability to sweep floors, oh. minus, like, a couple rare circumstances. But, like, we... The thing is, we pump up a bunch of people and be like, everything is a spiritual gift. It is not. <laughs> it is not. Everything's not a spiritual gift. Some things, you are just a living, breathing human, and you need to participate in things, and that's true. And so, like, we've caused some of our own trouble in this area. Yeah. Maybe you're gifted for the children's ministry. Now, you got your own kids. Now, I mean, you know say it's not a spiritual gift. You got kids. <laughs> now, hold on a minute, but doesn't the opposite sing true where, like, someone wants to play the tambo? At Dan's uh, corral here, mm-hmm. and uh, and they and, and they stink. They're real bad at it. They got uh, got three knuckles and eight left feet. And it says, "Hey, uh, you don't have the gift to play the tambo during the services." Mm, no, is that right? Is that rightly rendered? No, no, you have because to say, the that, Lord that, has gifted you. That's the same. No, that's the same thing. As they will say, "I have a spiritual gift of playing freeform tambourine," and you say, "You have the spiritual gift to sit down. <laughs> you are not playing the tambourine." <laughs> Yeah, it's not a spiritual gift. You just dig on the tra- the tambourine, and that's cool, but you can't dig on it right now during this pre-planned thing where we put a bunch of effort into it, and then you like to, you like the Lord's Nightingale in here and fire off the shimmers. Like, it's just a no. I really take some confidence to say the Lord has not gifted you in that area. Ah, I say it to my kids a lot. <laughs> it, is, it is difficult when you have to really actually say that to someone who really believes they're gifted in an area and, like, you're really, you're really not. I mean, here's the thing: it's like there's subtle differences. Someone goes, "The Lord gave me a heart to sing." That's true. 
Uh, he just didn't give anyone else the ears to hear it. <laughs> not give you a microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah or a microphone. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You can delight in it just personally. <laughs> yeah, and that's fine. Yeah, actually, and that's a very hard thing to deal with because what it feels like someone saying is like, hey, the Lord has, has given me something that delights my heart, and I want to share that delight with others. And someone goes, that delight does not extend to others. <laughs> I, this is a personal gifting. But here's the thing. It's like what it usually boils down to is like no one's stopping you from singing. You want to be on stage and sing yeah. in front of other people yeah. and make it appear as if you're leading the thing. And that's the thing that you're upset about. No one's putting you in the, in the crowd and going, by the way, you're so horrible, you can't even sing in, the, in God's people's chorus, right? But you're upset because you want to be on stage representative uh, as if you're fantastic. And that's the thing that most people are like, ah, let's shade that in. And then you're, you're hurt about it, right? That's a, that's a throne problem, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like you got, you're creating your own mini throne, and you're like, I want to be up a, a part of the backup singers. Well, there's 150 backup singers in the pews, <laughs> and you can <laughs> <Right>? join them. <laughs> and they sing all courses and all verses. So you're set. <laughs> uh, number eight, why don't they do something? A friend says there's three groups of people found in every congregation. There are consumers just browsing. There are customers. We come to this church because of the music program. If you cancel that program, they leave. And there are the shareholders. Announce a work day, and these are the ones who show up. You build a church with the shareholders, not with the other two groups, although most of the latter were one of the former previously. Hmm? Hmm? I don't Is the point to say you're, you want something done or changed in the church, but you want someone, you're like, why doesn't someone else do it? Basically, you're not volunteering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really think this should be done. You guys are failures for not doing it, so please, you do this. Yeah. I don't know. I've said something like this before, and not from a—I don't think from an incorrect heart on it, but, like, I mean, you show up at work days or, like, you do all this stuff, and you're like, this is the same eight people. There's 300 people go to this church. We're, we're getting strung. We're getting strung thin, you know? And so, like, we have to figure out a way to, to disengage. I think I've said—to engage them. I feel like I've said it more in the way of we probably can't sustain this. Like, this is how we burn people out. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's right. I think their their complaint is that basically someone who who sits on their their uh, sits on their brains and goes, "Hey, uh, why doesn't someone else do something?" I refuse to, which is different than someone going, "Hey, we're doing these things, but it's going to burn people out, or we need to get more people involved." That's a different, maybe a different thing. And and some of that was like that came around with that uh, conversation that that pastor we were talking about there a month or so ago, where. Like, just because things are good, right, and holy does not necessarily mean that God has you involved, right? If you're showing up at every single work day, I got to think that you, it, it's worth checking in with the Holy Spirit and go, you want me to every single one of these work days, right? Because, like, you will burn yourself out. And then, like, you know people. The church is made up of people. You're not going to get back out of them what you think you're putting into them. They're yeah. not going to be able to fill your cup right. Mm-hmm. And so, like, don't think by showing up at every single work day and every single thing and being the guy that takes on the mowing and all this jazz that, like... Somehow you're going to fulfill, be fulfilled by the gratefulness of the people in the building because you will not be. It's just not. It's not going to happen for you. So just make sure that God has you doing that, and just double check in. Volunteering is good, and like all that stuff's great. But like, if you're donating every Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday night, and Saturday morning, plus worship on Sunday, uh, I, I gotta say, I, I just, I, I don't. I think God has a life for you, <laughs> you know, to be doing things. And you just make sure that you're not overselling how much time you're donating to the church as if it is actually going to bring you some kind of return apart from what God intended it to bring you. Mm. Number nine is the pastor or the preacher is a dictator. Dan, you ever been accused of being a dictator? Yeah. Uh, usually that just means you're doing something opposite of what they're looking to do, and, and you're both stubborn and... 
it's actually your job and not theirs, so they just take it personal and call you a dictator. Yeah. I mean, that's what it boils down to. It's, it's, it's too bad. Yeah, you could levy that at anybody who has any semblance of authority. Yeah. And says, oh, like that decision maker, anytime you make a decision that someone may not agree with, uh, they feel like it's forced upon me. Because he's a dictator. I mean, are are there ways to do this well? Like if like 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 folks disagree with something that happened or something that you had said or a, a way that you're going about it and says, hey, was there? Do you have some time this week for me to stop by? I just want to chat with you and run some stuff by you. Like, have you guys had someone do that? Have you had somebody do this well? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah but that's I, always a, a very good conversation even if it's on the opposite side of what you're doing at least you can have an adult conversation about it it's like think about it process it think about it and think it through talk it through go hmm got some good points yeah we're still going to do it this way or or you're right let's let's meet somewhere in the middle i mean i've done that too yeah uh, it's mostly people's approach to it or their attitude on yeah. the thing that that tends to go sour yeah hmm. uh the final one 10 I don't know what the Bible says, but I know what I believe. <laughs> yep. Hmm. Boy, I, I, it's, it's funny. Uh, there's a number of, of uh, Facebook groups and things that I'm a part of that are like, they're like ministry-focused or Bible-focused, and this is still happening. Hmm. Someone's like, you know, I, uh, I know, here's what I think. Can anybody tell me where that is in the Bible? I'm like, whoa, maybe you got the order wrong, friend. Why don't you right? go see what's at in the Bible and then go, that's what I believe based upon the thing I read and understood. Uh, and it's just odd coming from some of these corners of people who appear to be at least trying to dig into to some stuff and, um, and and have a robust theology. And uh, it's just, it's it's weird. I don't even understand the posturing of that relationship, not with your pastor, not with your church, but with God, mm-hmm. just as a whole. Like, fundamentally, when you say something like that, I go, you misunderstand God, sir. Or yourself. It's one or the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, like, it tells you, like, I don't, I don't want to make a blanket out of a, out of a napkin, but, like, I feel like it tells you everything that I need to know right now about the status of how you're approaching your, your religion is by say stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. My five-year-old keeps doing that. He, okay. keeps, he keeps making up uh, verses. Oh, yeah. I'll say, you know, it's like the Bible says. <laughs> he says it like an old man. It's like the Bible says in the verse, it says you should help your friends. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I mean, kind of. <laughs> Sounds good. Should, should, yes. <laughs> Even worse is when people are like, I know what the Bible says. Uh, it says A, but I'm going to do B. Yeah. That, that's like, ooh, you know, yeah, that that's hurt. That hurts. Well, and I suppose it's kind of weird, too, because, like, what do they expect you to say? Right. Hey, Pastor, uh, I, I know I believe this, but I don't know what the Bible says. And you go, well, I mean, I guess your mind's made up. Like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, why, usually... do I, why do you feel that way? Because, because the other can't be right. The thing you're saying can't be right. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. I mean, all kinds of things don't I've, feel you right. You most heard that in the context of a marriage ending. Yeah. Mm. And it's like, well, they already decided. They're just trying to find justification. Then they couldn't find justification. They're like, well, I know what God says, but... Uh, He's just going to have to put up with this, you know, because yeah. I got to be happy. Yeah. I, here's the thing. It's like I think they, they miss a major characteristic of, of, of God's heart. Like it, it always feels like he always goes, I know you're hurting, but <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Or like I know you're hurting and I'm going nowhere. I will walk through this with you. But <laughs> here's the thing that I'm calling you to. And I said as much like I pretty much spelled the thing out. And so uh, that's where we're at. And they're like. But if he knows I'm hurting, he would allow me to do this. I, no, he didn't say that, right? And for reasons that are his. 
I mean, I'm not 100% sure. That's got to make perfect logical sense to me. Uh, if he wanted to speak to it, he would. And he has to the point where he says, no, I, I, I'm not going to allow this. And so that stuff's really interesting. And it, it's a clear indication of like how much our, our, our feelings tend to drive um, a, a lot of the directions that we go, right? Like, right. I understand what God is trying to say here, but there's no way he could have meant all this with these circumstances. Mm-hmm. And like, y- yes, there, yeah, there is. In, in, in fact, it's most likely uh, directly because of these circumstances he's calling you to this, right? Like, it's, it's, the, it's the opening of James, right? Like, uh, you let, it, you, you let the, the, this trust produce steadfastness, and steadfastness produce perfection. And right, that's the thing. If you never get to the steadfast part, then you'll never get to see the gains, <laughs> you know? Right. It's just like anything else. Okay. Interesting. I don't think I've, I mean, I've not said any of those. No. Nathaniel, how many? Yeah, I don't think any. 50%. <laughs> 50%. Okay. That's wrong, Nathaniel. I don't know, I don't know that I've ever, like, even, and my grandpa used to run a church like that where he waited at the back and you go back and say something. And I don't know that I've ever given an opinion, like, based on how the sermon went, like, on the way out the door. If I thought it was crappy or I didn't think it did much, like, I, I usually, I've sat on it for a couple of weeks and thought, am I right here? Maybe I'm just being a turd. If I still thought it was no good, I'd tell Ben or Dan about it. Be like, hey, you feel like that was kind of... That was a real stinker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and I usually, I mean, one of them, if they're being honest, they're like, yeah, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't take well. <laughs> I, thought it, I thought I had a big point, but then after I had given it, I'm like, I don't know. That's not a real stinker. <laughs> and so, you know, I mean, usually if you just have a regular conversation about it, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, it's really it's really uh, fun when you're in the middle of, of presenting some information, and and while you're speaking, you're going, "Man, this is lame. This is like terrible." <laughs> I'd, I'd like another day to think this one through. Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm speaking right now as I'm thinking, so I better just keep going. Yeah. Do you recall <laughs> being on fire for it at your desk yesterday? Yeah. And then as this it's coming gold. out, you're like, "Where was I going with this?" <laughs> I remember this one time we were cleaning up after church, and Dan goes, "You know, a third sermon." I would have really got it that time. <laughs> oh. I remember looking at my notes sometime in my in my Bible while I'm teaching or something. I'll have my notes written next to it, and I'm like, "What possible re- relevance did I think this had?" <laughs> this was, like I yeah. underlined it three times, and I'm yeah. like, "What does that have to do with anything going on right and now?" And he flared his nostril. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> I'm especially wary of any time I've used an exclamation point on the uh. margins of my Bible. I'll read back a phrase that I've written with an exclamation point. I'm like, "Nope." Nope, I got way too excited, and I, like it probably there was some connection three thoughts later yeah. that I did not capture the track to, and then now it's just just this like I don't know eight year old's message in my Bible with an exclamation point going, and then the sun arose, I'm like <laughs> yes, and it did. <laughs> yeah, teaching the tough business. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dan, did you find your find a quote? I did. I did. Okay. okay. Oh, it just went away. It's right here. Um. Once a child is over 11 years of age and they have been in the public school system, it is becoming harder and harder to disciple that child to uphold the countercultural teachings of Jesus. That was a context of just a guy at a conference talking to a preacher, and the preacher said, you know, it's just getting harder and harder to, to truly disciple people over 11 years old that are ingrained in the opposite worldview, basically, is what he's saying. There was no statistics. I mean, there wasn't like a survey. It wasn't yeah. a study. It was just a, a guy's observation. Well, you know, and uh, and uh, Mike, I feel like you probably have uh, the most experience with this, and so you can kind of speak to it. But like, I do think it's fair to say that kids are um, 
I don't know to say that they're actually growing up faster, but like they are, we are putting more mature things into their mind earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I think by doing that, you do start to um, codify things that otherwise might have been shapeable. Um, and so, like, it, it, it almost presses kids to an answer sooner. Like, um, like you have to pick a side or you have to pick an understanding of the world and where it kind of felt like that was reserved for, say, 16, 17, 18, where, like, you finally separated from your, from your, your mama's uh, beef, beef broth there and you got to pick out your own <laughs> brand of health. And so, like, <laughs> this is right. <laughs> so, um, but, like, it feels like it is pushing younger and younger. Um, and then so minds that don't have the ability to make, all, like, a deep, deep thought and nuance um, are forced to make decisions a lot earlier in life. And then you have to, then pulling it back becomes difficult. That mm-hmm. seems like it might be reasonable to me if your kids feel like they're gr- having to grow up faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I. I don't know. I've been thinking about this with a couple fellas, actually, that I've been interacting with. And, like, um, you know, apart from some of the stuff that we talk about or that, you know, the, our meetings in youth group or whatever, they, they have zero, you know, God background or anything. And I'm like, how, how, can, I, how can I begin to grow a relationship or, like, a, a thing to start even discussing it? And, like, it does feel like we're quite a ways in the hole, you know, even at, like, 12, 13, where I'm like, man, I just... I don't know, they're so ingrained in this thing that, that they believe to be true or some of these things that they believe to be true that it's, I'm like, I, I don't even know how to have start having the conversation that says that's not actually correct, except for that they see that I don't believe it and like start to question it on their own. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like just broaching the subject right off the, right off the bat or broaching certain subject right off the bat seem really hard for them to take in. You know what I'm saying? Um, because it's it's immediately in conflict. We're in conflict already. Like we don't even have a point for building a relationship on because we don't agree on anything. We don't agree on the role of uh, dudes and fathers, and we don't agree on the way that other people should be treated, and we don't we don't agree on the role of responsibilities and what it looks like to um, handle yourself well or with integrity. And so, like, we have zero starting point to try to build a relationship. And you're like, I mean, we could build a fence together, I guess. And then just see how the conversation goes, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's, that's kind of uh, some of the things I'm landing on is like, I'll take the things that I know that are true about God's uh, people and say, whether they currently walk with him or not and go, I mean, we'll just build with there and see what comes out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Dan, what are your, does that, does that uh, I mean, age seem right? Does the difficulty seem right? I mean, on one hand, yes. I mean, because but it's not. I I, I wish he hadn't said public school because then it throws everybody into the public school thing. Yeah, right. I, I think it's just culture. You know, culture. We we live in a worldview that that is that doesn't really acknowledge God. It's just one of many options, uh, maybe even lower than other options. And, and so, the morality and ethics and just the way we live and make decisions and choices exclude God. So you suddenly bring this mythical creature in called God, uh, the, the, how they look at it. They're like, why? they just look at you weird. Like, and so it, it, it's, it's whether they're 11 or 29, I think it's the same thing, really, in our culture right now. It's what the apostles uh, faced in, in the New Testament. You look at them interacting with society in the book of Acts, and there were people who like looked at them like, what are you talking about? Right. Uh, so, so I, you know, I, I don't, I don't get too worried. 
other than it is, it, you have to be more uh, intentional, I, I'd say now, than, than we were, say, 15 years ago. You're just like, ah, but throw a Sunday school program out there. They'll be fine. Uh, obviously, they weren't. Right. You, you know, we, we didn't do the job uh, of truly discipling um, and, and getting people ready. Some did, you know, some stuck, but uh, it's, it's hard to put a program to, to fit a generation into a program, and that's what we've always done. That's what we do, you know. Yeah. Churches make programs and try to get as many people through that as possible um, to be effective because there's less people discipling, so so you're doing more. And so you cookie-cut it. Rather than everybody discipling, like, you know, first century, right. uh, it would be much more effective, no matter what age they were or what the worldview was, so... Right, and I think that maybe that goes to Mike's point, is that like, yeah. you, in your attempt to, dis, to to introduce good news to kids who have never met it before, you're not just introducing the notion of a god, you're rebuilding the world, like you're world building, you're, you're mm-hmm. having to, to start to get kids to think through what they believe to be true, like adult dudes are terrible. Dads, dads in general suck. They're yellers. Um, they're abusers. They're, they, they walk out. They don't care. You're, you have to, if that's their perspective of the world, like, there's a notion that starts to rebuild that so that they can believe the words that are coming out of people's mouths or believe that even it's like a, a dad like that exists. And so the same thing is true when if they can look at a world and, and they've built everything is built upon a premise that doesn't require God to put God into there and say not only is it like in addition to but is the foundation of you're you're unpacking a lot more than just is there a God or isn't there um you're you're rebuilding a world and so to Mike to your point like building a fence with uh with a, an adult male who it seems to care about you and who is going to ask you questions about the things that you're doing and doesn't allow you just to create your own world and spin it up and go, this is definitely the reality. Um, and who's willing to kind of t- to, to push around and help you form and shape what you're taking in to create the boundaries that we said are, are important as parents. Um, that then gives you access to be able to talk to a thing. I, I, if, it was, if it was as easy as right arguments, logical arguments, um, compelling discussion and truth, then this, this would be a lot easier of a thing, but it's not. Um, like if, if, if people are locked in at 11, then it's going to take some effort to, this is where deconstruction is awesome. Let's deconstruct the worldview that missed Jesus, um, and, and try to help someone rebuild it with that as a context. Yeah. Um, and then that is totally valuable. My, my daughter is working with a, a friend of hers right now who has absolutely zero idea about Christianity. Zero. I mean, just none. Mm-hmm. And and there's just they have weekly conversations and studies and you know uh, I mean and and she just is it, my my daughter's amazed at how little I mean it's it's about everything yeah uh, they had a conversation about dating recently like there's a guy she's not really dating and he's and he's a Christian and and he was kind of being like I don't want you around other guys and and she's like that just seemed weird is this what is this what Christians do and, and <laughs> my daughter's like well not really you're not even dating you know I mean right. Uh, so, but but she's trying to process what what does a Christian even look like? I mean, right. I think I want to be one, but I don't even know what that is. And and some stuff's weird, you know. Well, you're getting because some of us are weird, you know. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing any favors with this. Yeah, stuff. yeah. Mm. But it's just, but I mean, like I I would never have imagined in America when I was her age, looking forward, thinking 
that would be the culture I live in. Right. I would think you'd have to go to the mission field to experience something like that, you know. Um, but it's like it. There, there are people who literally have zero idea, or even worse, a negative idea. Uh, if you turn on the news today, there were people actually saying that be careful of Christians; they're probably going to get violent in the Roe versus Wade protests. What? I, I mean, I, I'm like. Who? What? What? You know, I mean, so they're getting like false information yeah. about what Christians are and how they believe in things. And, and, um, so, so, yeah. Uh, and, and how, how, how would you know that's true or not if you don't know anything about it? Right. You know? Right. I, I read this, uh, I read this article and it was about calls for a guy who worked for the New York Times in the 30s in, and he was based in Moscow. And he won a a, Pulitz, uh, a Pulitzer um, for his reporting out of Moscow, and it was it was it was there are calls for for the New York Times to like the guy's dead. He's been dead for forty years, 50, sixty years uh, to like give it back because what they found was is that some of his most compelling writing and all the work that he did in Moscow was um, fall, um, uh, bent towards the the communists. And was like speaking lightly of things that were atrocious, and you know, heavily quoting um, all these all these Russian leaders trying to um, make the the government look good. And they, they didn't believe that he was a communist sympathizer. It was just it's what by doing so they were these politicians and rulers in Russia were willing to meet with him so he could get the interviews. It was good for his career. And so what was interesting, and I, I just had not. I just hadn't thought of it, I guess, is that in the 1930s, one guy largely controlled the narrative of what was happening in Russia. Hmm. The, the, the guy who was on the ground for, with the nation's largest newspaper, because they could afford to have a guy who was on salary working in Russia, right? You didn't have you know, the, the blogs, and you didn't have the internet to have like people's voices and competing news services that could then broadcast out into the into the rest of the world uh, this was the trusted guy and so the reality was is America's view of what was going on in the 1930s what they were dismissive the reason this is coming up is because um, millions of Ukrainians died under Stalin and that that regime and the the guy's description of it was not even close to that. Like it made it sound like there were some you know hectic uh, Ukrainian dissidents, and of course if there's trouble, you got to put down trouble when you're trying to create a new path for life. Um, and so what it caused me to think though is like how much power is in the hands of like a voice or two major voices that then shape what people think, and you do not know whether it's true. Hmm. You yep. don't have any idea. I can go <clears throat> look in any mall in the United States and someone's selling a Bible. And the contents of that Bible are going to be the same as the contents in the Bible at the store across the way and the city across the, across the, the county there and then the state and across the world. I'm going to be, we're going to agree largely, translation issues aside, this is the contents of things that, of a history and things that God has spoken and did within the earth. Um, and so you have a much stronger pull, but think of what how much risk there is in what people think about Christianity, not because they've looked into it, but because there was a voice somewhere who said something that they they heard and said, well, they must they would know or they must know or maybe that's right. Mm-hmm. And 
there was no competing narrative, and then the the rest of the stuff they saw just happened to affirm it. What does it take? It takes like if you thought Christianity was screwed up, and then you see Jim Baker, and you're like, well, that's what I thought. And there are a million churches functioning just fine without the United throughout the United States, and then then somebody got embezzled in Ohio, and you're like, yep, that's what I thought. Christians are corrupt. And your neighbor, who was supposed to be a Christian, you know, kicked your dog, like whatever. And right. so it's it's just um, a lot of the stuff is just not in, informed. It's not, and you'd be surprised how many people like believe things without any particular foundation to it. It's just the thing that they heard last. Well, I mean, think about it. Like on on the violence thing. If someone, if I knew nothing about Christianity, and the news guy in a respected, you assume, uh, media said, "Boy, these Christians are going to be violent." Actually, it was a montage of several of them across multiple stations. Uh, and then you looked at the social media posts of most of the Christians. You know, it's like you might think, "Well, yeah. that could they seem kind of violent." I could see that. Yeah, they seem kind of angry. Uh, if I was that angry, I'd probably blow something up too, you know. And, and so, yeah, it plays through your mind, and you start. We're actually by our pretty negative actions confirming um, what's being planted in in their minds. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Anyway, so I suppose. So wait, what's the what's the rectification? How do we stay? How do we stay out of this? Is it? Uh, like, what was one of the takeaways? One of them recognized that um, where people are caught, beliefs are codified, one, it may not be based upon much. I think we've talked about that before. Don't presume that people come to the, what they believe through extensive research. Oftentimes, yeah. it's just something they heard. Uh, and, and frankly, you could say that same thing on the other side. People who grew up in the church, they didn't look into it. The people around them believed it. Their parents said it was fine. They showed up at the church because they were forced to go. And then, like, their, their faith was as much as they'd heard until it gets tried. And then when it gets tried and tested, and there wasn't anything underneath it, just the presumption that, oh, well, that's what someone said, uh, and then it will fail them. Not because Jesus failed them, but because they weren't believing in something that they actually spent time connecting yeah. with. They were borrowing it from people around them. Well, dare we mention something like, say, the rapture? Oh, right. That is, you know, people will fight tooth and nail about their view of the rapture that the Scripture doesn't mention. That's right. <laughs> you know? That's right. And, and you can actually trace back a, a couple hundred years to see where it all was created, you know, by some gal who was talking to demons. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, go ahead and study. Study. What does the Bible say about it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I don't think it's like, I, this isn't saying, look, to, to, to be, to have a firm foundation, you've got to be a professor in, you know, Old Testament theology. Like, right. I, I, what I'm saying is, 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 is you owned it. You owned your worldview. When someone said, "Why do you believe that?" Uh, the Christian would say, "Well, I have I have a reason behind my why I believe what I believe. I can give an answer." But like most most people, Christian or otherwise, um, often lack a reason for why they believe what they believe, except for their circumstances dictated it. Um, and and that uh, that presents risks because when those things are tried, they will crumble. Now, on the positive note, if you spend time world building with people. If the belief was shallow and came to through those means of the atheistic belief, um, there's an opportunity for it to, to crumble and be rebuilt upon a firmer foundation. So I think those opportunities do exist, just like they're a risk in the church by, and it's the thing I'm always real cautious of when it comes to kids, that we just don't pass them along um, a, a handout faith. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, it's something that they have to own and they have to, to, to wrestle with a bit and ask good questions of God because that causes you to go one step deeper. But then you owned that. It's not mine. It becomes yours. And in all its fallibilities and, and wherever it lacks knowledge, I'm not so much concerned about that. It's just that you, it became yours. Um, and I think that makes all the difference. You've been listening to Live from the Path. Thanks so much for hanging out with us so far tonight. Uh, if you've got comments for us on the show, c- complaints would be our assumption, you can give us a call or a text message at 515-517-0085. That's 515-517-0085. We'd love to hear from you on the Bob Eisenhower Live from the Path complaint line, and uh, you can share your feedback for us. Uh, tell us where we're wrong. Tell us where we are right. And uh, also, if you uh, are listening to Life from the Path through one of your favorite podcast apps, or frankly, one that you don't care much for, either way, if you could leave us a review, we'd be super jazzed about that. It just gives us a sense that people are listening to the show. I, I get podcast stats that tell me people listen to the show, but they're not believable, to be honest. Like, there's more people listening than I would presume. And I think there's just one guy cycling through. Yeah. And just refreshing the page. Heavy and, on the rotates. Yeah. Or he starts it up and goes, ah, it's terrible. And then he forgets the next day and fires it up again and goes, ah, it's terrible. But I got two views out of that guy. And so it's not believable. But, but if you could do a review or whatever or send us something on the complaint line, that would be good. It, yeah. gi- it gives us the tickles. Yeah. You want to do some advice? Tickle me, bam. Huh? Tickle, tickle. Talk to me. Yeah, let's do, let's do some advice. Okay, ready? Well, we're going to come back to the uh, trends of the evangelical church next week. Okay, ready? Okay. Dear Life from the Path, my fiance Rowan, and I are getting married this year. It is my second marriage and his first. Rowan has a young son, I'll call him, quote, Sean, from a previous relationship. I have a good relationship with Sean and expressed to Rowan that I'd love to include Sean on our honeymoon so we can have a proper first family vacation. Rowan's custody agreement states that no unmarried parties may live together when their child is present in the home. Rowan was enthusiastic about it since I'll finally be able to have a proper bonding time with Sean in a home overnight environment. But when I bring this up with anyone else, they say I'm selfish for wanting to play quotes mom and include my soon-to-be stepson on a vacation that's supposed to be for just me and my fiancé. We want to share this time with his son and have a fun family vacation. Are we doing the wrong thing? Should we leave Sean out? Why, with so many different family dynamics, is wanting to include Rowan's son regarded as selfish? I'm going to restate the problem as I understand it. Okay. You, as the lady, are trying are going to marry this dude. Mm-hmm. Yep. You are excited because you can. You would like to take the son to share in your the honeymoon experience, the trip as a family. Yeah, and the husband says, "Yeah, this sounds great." Yeah, I'm. I'm. <laughs> what's the rest of the like? Yeah. <laughs> Other people say, "How dare you?" That's what was that number six on the list? I'm selfish get, for wanting to play mom and okay, include my selfish to who. If the husband is for it, he's the only guy who would be like, maybe we shouldn't bring a kid on this experience. Yeah. But like, if he's all right with it, like that sounds terrific. Who else yeah. cares? Yeah, I mean, does it matter? Really, the question is, is like, if she if she's asking, do I appear selfish to other people? Well, apparently, um, why why do you care about what they have to say? They don't got to live at your place. They ain't your stepson. <laughs> they ain't your husband. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know what kind of cackling hen friends you got, but, like, I'd stop asking them because this is not good counsel. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you're on a strong footing here. Like, you had the opportunity to act as if he didn't have a son and go on vacation or honeymoon without him, and instead you said, this is the way our family's going to operate. Let's bring the boy. And you've already, I mean, it's your second marriage, you know, so, like, yeah, I think you're making, you sound like great selfless yeah. ideas. Yeah. I don't understand. Do no. it. Yeah. 
Seems like one of the most uh, open and shut cases we've had in a while. Yeah. Yeah. And oh. maybe get some new friends. These are not, these are not, this is not wise counsel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know who told you this, but like, I, I mean, honestly, this is almost a relationship killer to me. Like, this is just whole, I don't know what, I don't know what kind of back alley you came out with this advice, but it's just, it's not good. It's, it's not good at all. Do you think, never mind, never mind. <laughs> never mind. That's wrong. Okay. Segular says, you and Rowan should listen to your hearts instead of listening to unsolicited advice. Wanting to include Sean on the trip is the opposite of selfish and is you and your fi- fiancé's privilege to decide. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Slammed up. So here's more family <laughs> infighting. Ready? Yeah. Dear Life in the Path, my husband's daughter has decided that her children should not call me grandma because I'm not their biological grandmother. Yeah, that's right. My husband's daughter. Okay, got it. She says her mother is their grandma and not me even though her father and I have been together since before the birth of her children. Yeah. Eight years later, she told them not to call me grandma. I'm so hurt about it, I can no longer bring myself to go over to their house. Please tell me how I can deal with being so blatantly disrespected by my husband's daughter. I seem to be good only for birthday presents and Christmas gifts. Yeah. You're like the person that wants to sing uh, backup worship music on the stage. (laughs) Like, you don't... You don't play, want to play the role of the grandma. You want the prestige of the name grandma. Now, no one's going to disagree that, like, if if things were on the up and up here, I don't feel like she'd be playing this card. I think there's something else going That's on. That's right. Either she's vindictive and mean, or you are, and, and I don't know. Like, your relationship obviously is terrible. So I, I, I think you should probably, if, if you want to spend any time on this, I'd probably get the root of why your relationship with your husband's daughter is so poor. Yeah. Obviously, she has other grandmas, right? Like, mm-hmm. if, 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 if she's not your biological daughter, that means she has a mom, and that's a grandma to her kids. Also, a dad, that's a grandma to her kids. And now you're like the step-grandma or something? I don't think the dad can be the grandma. Sorry. I don't think that's not how it works. The dad, right? that's the grandpa. They, the kid's got a set of grandparents, Yeah, right? Yeah, if yeah. you've married later in yeah. life, then the kids already have a set of grandparents. You're like the step-grandparents. Yeah. And so, I mean... Let's try some new names. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, try Mammy. try to mama or to yeah or to mammy. Graham Graham. Yeah, Graham Graham. <laughs> There's lots of options here. We 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 had this in our in our family with uh, both my wife and my parents were divorced, and everybody got remarried but my mom. So there was quite a mixture of, of people out there, and it wasn't a we did not intend it as a disrespect. We just tried to keep the blood relatives were grandma grandpa. And the others were very much loved, and they loved our children, and our children loved them. And then we didn't, we didn't care. We didn't care what they called them. But like, when we referred to them, it was always like, well, grandpa or by first name, the other, the, the spouse. Yeah. Um, not in, even in a disrespectful way. But we just wanted to distinguish there is a legitimate actual bloodline in you, um, and they all love you. Um, so I, under, I understand both sides. I understand the hurt that she would have. Uh, wanting to be the grandma, uh, but at the same time, let 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 you know you're not. You're just not. Um, I mean, how is that different than like um, like ado- like adoptions or step? Uh, I suppose uh, step parents too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I guess I'd I because it could go either. Like I would just leave it to the kids' discretion if they yeah. feel like comfortable doing it. Great. If not, I mean, the kids like, are like five. You don't let them make those kind of decisions. Sure, because it doesn't matter. I suppose. What does it matter? I tell you what, man, my, my grandson, for the first time, like in the last week or two, uh, called me Papa. 
Yeah. And like, there, everybody was like, we don't, we've, no one's ever called me that. Like, right? I mean, that's just how he processes grandpa. And I was like, I don't care what you call me, dude. You know, that shit, it was just cool that he had something. He had more than, eh. Yeah. You know, he's just at that age, just starting to get words. Yeah. And uh, man, that just melted my heart. I, I mean, and I'm and I'm his blood grandfather. I mean, I, I don't right. I don't care what he calls me. Uh, he can call me Spoonhead, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's that's my son. That would that's be fantastic." Grandson. He went to Babylon too, Spoonhead. Yeah. <laughs> I heard you were butter in the metaverse. <laughs> that's right. Hey, butter boy. I just really sounds like there's a there's there's like more backstory to this, right? Like, yeah, you know, like maybe maybe her dad. Cheated on her mom, and now he's remarried later in life, and like the daughter's like, "Whoa, you're not grandma." Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And so, like, they're just—I'm not saying that's the truth, but like, there just seems like there's more to this because Ben's right. Like, they're ancillary names, Mm -hmm. and so you're like, "Whatever, I don't really care." But like, obviously, you're not in a grandma relationship with them, right? There's there's just something off here, and so like, I think you probably get to the bottom of that before we get to the bottom of. Yeah, you know, I actually I might defend that if I if there was someone who was like trying to it's so weird to be like to take the prestige of grandma but like if they were trying to posture but like they weren't they just stunk and like the blood relative still gets to be called grandma just because they're blood relative but like i don't have to hand out and allow this title on my kids to say hey just call me grandma you're not you're not acting like a grandma you're hoarding in here yeah yeah i think that's i think it's all right i don't think it's a black and white thing yeah. I think you could right. go either way with it, but yeah. like I, I agree with Mike. It sounds like we're talking about when a bird crapped on someone's car when the car didn't have an engine. Something else is going on, yeah. of which this is peripheral to it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, Secular says, I subscribe to the philosophy that the more love there is in this world, the better. I would take it a step further and add that the more loving grandparents are in a child's life, the better. Your stepdaughter's announcement to the children at this late date that you are not their grandmother seems spiteful and hurtful. Yeah, unless you bestowed honorarily the title to yourself, yeah, then it is not. Then she's just clearing up a misunderstanding. That said, there's nothing positive to be gained by shunning the children if you love them. When they call you, uh, what they call you is less important than the relationship you have with them. If you continue staying away as you've been doing, you will only drive a deeper wedge between you. Yeah. So I th- this I, I gave was talking to someone this week, and um, it was around not having the relationships that you want right now. And there's a selflessness in it to say, for whatever reason, I'm being restricted from having the type of relationship I want. But, like, if, if it's important to you, then wait it out. If this, maybe, you're a, maybe you're a dad, and the situation you have with the, the mom is not a good one, and you're not allowed to see your kid or something as often as you'd like or in the situations that you'd like. Like, that kid's going to grow up. They still deserve a dad. Uh, you're going to have to wait it out. In fact, I've read a number of stories where that, th- that kind of thing has happened and, like, the mom just trashed the dad all over the place. And, you know, eventually the kid goes and finds the dad and said, like, why? Why didn't you love me? Why didn't you visit me? Why didn't you blah, blah, blah? And the dad was at least in a position where he said, I would have been there every day. Hmm. But, like, I was held back. I prayed for you. I wrote you letters. I blah, blah, blah. Like, whatever. Like, Sometimes you're bound in ways that you wish you weren't bound. But, like, either, either at its core, you're this person and you're this role in their lives or you're not. And so can you act like a dad even if you don't get all the benefits of a dad? If, that, then, if, if that's true, then, you, then you're still the dad. And you're mm-hmm. at, that's, that's the responsibility of dad. I would say, Grandma, if, if you can act like a grandma would, take on all the responsibilities of grandma with none of the accolades or names that may come along with it, then you know what? The kids will eventually figure out 
that you're deserving of the title. And they might say it to spite their mom because they recognize that their mom was overreacting. Like when they're old enough to know the difference is when you want them to recognize the difference. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would say if, if she needs to get over it, if she's always causing the problem here, if she's like a total saint in this equation, then remain so. Continue doing your best. I would take every opportunity to act like a grandma should. And then um, those kids will they'll figure it out eventually. Yeah, the thing about parenting and even grandparenting is it's not a quid pro quo relationship. Mm-hmm. Like the parenting and the grandparenting, you're on the giving end of things most of the time, you know, because you've took on a responsibility, you know, and, and most people see it as an honor. Um, and, and But like it's not you treat me this way or I will not treat you in a grandmotherly way. You are a grandmother. Uh, or you're playing the role, or you're in the role of being a grandmother, and you don't get to take that away uh, based on whether you don't feel like they're treating you in a certain way, I guess. I mean, like, it's, your, it, it's, it's the classic where you're saying you're letting other people determine your actions, right? Like, you, if, if you're bound to be a good grandma, then whether they accept it or not, then you continue to be a good grandma, yeah. right? You do, just like Ben said, you do all the grandma things. So, yeah, I, yeah, you got to let some of that stuff go. Right. Okay, last, last one, one, ready? Dear yep. Life from the Path. I renovated and moved into my girlfriend's house a year ago to the tune of $80,000. We have been together 12 years and agreed that although neither of us wants to remarry, we should stop paying two mortgages because we are near retirement and should save money. She has an old cat that is peeing all over the house. She says, what do you want me to do about it? I'm asking her to help me figure something out, but after more than a year of dealing with her cat peeing on everything from my children's beds to the carpets, nothing has changed. What can I say to get through to her that this is ruining our home and potentially getting people sick? I can't have guests over because of the smell. Holy cow, you didn't see this coming before you married it? Before you moved in with this woman? I mean, she didn't smell like cat whiz all the time. I mean, uh, right? I mean, surely he was over there before when yeah, he renovated the house. I assume you <laughs> took a swim through the place before you decided you were going to put your family in there or whatever. And then let's say that that didn't happen. You moved in together, all of a sudden the cat becomes ill. Old cat, you said. And uh, he's spraying the place. Yeah. I mean, it's time to put the cat down. That's the right answer. But she ain't having it. She's not in the, in the, doesn't have the heart for it. So what's the man do? That's his question. What am I supposed to do about this? Patient, my friend. That cat's going to be gone soon enough. He's going to have to wait it out. Wait it out like a pastor, Dan says. (laughs) Cycle. I mean, cats hold on forever. Yeah, they can. Did he say how old it was? Just said old. Even when they look old, they could have another 10 years in them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you're right. He he should have known all this, and he jumped, and maybe he should move out. Yeah, you got He can't just tell her to kill her cat because, right? I live here now. It's like, well, the cat lived here first. Your time for parsing these options was before. You got to do yeah. your, your due diligence. Yeah. Now here's the thing: It's like, have you offered to like buy 15 litter boxes, and like, I mean, just pepper the joint, being like, we got to do something, or say, hey, can we build a cat room? Can we can we get sectioned off and say, hey. You can live out the rest of your days just spraying it up in here. Like, like, have you tried to come up with some compromise, even if it sounds ridiculous? Like its own chamber to whiz everywhere it wants to? That's your proposition? Yeah. She's not going to let you get rid of it. And and your option is to either let it pee everywhere or go, we're going to set up a a, a A pee kingdom. Actually, you know what? If you offered that, if you said, hey, we could set up the pee room, and she protested... Uh, because he's like, well, I don't want to go in there. Or I have to go visit it in the pee room. He's like, exactly. Like, doesn't it drive home the point of that you, that you seem to have trouble getting? I feel like big pee room right now. <laughs> she would be more likely to go, but but he's used to roaming the house in freedom. I don't want to pin him up. <laughs> well, I mean, 
Let him roam outside. Yeah. Here's He's the thing. He's an outside cat now. If, 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 if I took the tack that said, I'm no longer to use the toilet, I'm just going to, one, number one, wherever I want, you would, you would have to rein that in somehow. <laughs> it, actually, maybe that's what you should, you, should, you should do. If the cat gets to do it, I get to do it. You start yeah. peeing all over the house. Yeah. To say it's ridiculous. Like, it is, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. She'll say, why is this a, like, you'll go, why is this a problem? She goes, because it smells like whiz. Well, okay then. It, it is odd that this is, conversation is going so poorly. Uh, and granted, like, the cat probably existed before you. Well, you've been dating it 12 years? 12 years? How old is this cat? Yeah, <laughs> Did it yeah. exist before you? Because it's got to be, I mean, a long-living cat is, is 15. Yeah. 16. As I say, it can't be much time left. Yeah. Yeah, just try, keep, try to start scaring it or something. Like, jump yeah, out of a right? closet. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is, like, if you can't resolve this type of issue, another peeing cat's just going to show up, right? The peeing cat situation is a grander problem where you're like, we can't come to terms on this thing. And so, like, after the cat dies and you think all your woes are gone, the next, the next dying cat's going to show up. Hey, but it's going to be different, a different situation. Say, has he been married before? It doesn't say. I bet this is one of those rebound old fellas whose wife died or something, and then he just hopped uh, right into it, didn't do any evaluation of it. They dated for a while, though, 12 years. I mean... We've been together for 12 years. Uh, and 12. neither of us wants to remarry, so apparently they both... Yeah. Oh, were, were oh, oh, okay. So I missed that part. Okay. Yeah, remarry, yeah. yeah, so he did have someone leave or die or something. Yeah. And he was probably dating her during. Yeah, and it cost him 80 grand to move in. I don't know what that side panel's about. Really, the thing is, is like... You He's butthurt about that 80 grand. Yeah. All cat you ways. didn't pay 80 grand to move into some whiz-infested cat yeah. mansion. Yeah, I, actually, to that point, like, 12 years you saw... Let's ignore the cat. No behavior that gave you the indication that she's unreasonable? Because that's really the problem. A, a, a peeing cat is a peeing cat. But, like, if you've attached yourself to a woman who goes, a peeing cat all over the place is not a problem, like... That's the issue. You have yeah. an unreasonable person in here. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, this not, did not show up at all in 12 years worth of d- d- specking the place out? I mean, are you, are you going about this in a good, loving kind of way, or are you being some kind of turd about it? Like, if her answer is, what do you want me to do about it? Then, and, and, and it sounds almost that you, you said, you need to do something about this cat peeing all over the place, instead of, love, I, I, this cat. Our is, cat's in rough shape. It's on its way out. Yeah. What do you want to do? I think we can get it its own special room, but like obviously we can't have it tearing the place up, and it's it's in pain. It's not doing. Yeah. It's not quality life is done. Do you want me to take it in? Do you want me to go with you? How can I help? Bedroom gun or shovel? What you want to do about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do that. Say pick, pick in one of these hands, <laughs> and one is bedroom gun, and the other one's shovel. <laughs> I bet this guy's a real doofus. Does it sound like he's the doofus? Yeah, because like I bet he walked into the house and he's like, man, it really smells like cat whiz in here. Let me fix the place up for you. And then he spends Eddie K, you know, fixing it up. And the cat keeps whizzing, and he says, "How did this happen?" Right? I thought this like eighty real, grand would you stop you cat? from yeah. Like, how could we let a cat tear this up? And like, it probably looked that nice before the cat got in there and tore it up. He's a real dummy. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he had his eyes, eyes wide shut on this one. He's I like, so. everything will be fine. Yeah, yeah. I he he bought the he bought the the, the Pontiac. He's gonna have to drive it. That's he should have taken. He should have taken this into consideration. Whatever you do, don't kill the cat without her foreknowledge. Don't think you're gonna like run it over or something. Cause like the, this is this. She's gonna catch on to that. Yeah. Yep. Don't do. Don't do that. Don't scheme. Right. You need to hit this thing head on with some honesty. Yeah. Yeah. No. I. I would say just uh, hold your money. Don't do make any improvements until the cat dies. And then, frankly, uh, I. 
this could be if you're not going to get married i mean if and you're not going to move out like could you consider therapy can you talk through this with a third party yeah couples therapy someone who could just go hey man let's look we I, I think i'm totally right and she thinks she's totally right and we just need to sort this out and if you can i and try three therapists if you have to if you go to three places and nobody sides with cat whiz like and she refused to back down then you cut your losses and go you're not resolving this. You yeah. have 30 years of your life left. Don't don't waste it here. Yeah, don't do this. I th- I think I think I should go to a Baptist church and uh, talk to the pastor. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I like, like to gossip, I like to keep but... the Baptist busy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Secular says, you and your girlfriend should discuss this with the cat's veterinarian to find out if the animal's behavior is age-related and can't be controlled or a behavior problem that can be corrected. Please don't wait to do it. You have my sympathy. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know if this is going to work out. Uh, behavior. Okay, it sounds like a cat getting old. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I mean, I suppose if you want to run it up by the vet for a, an opinion, I mean, what's going to cost you? 250 bucks? At least get a vet to go, yeah, man, this thing's dying. What about the, what about a diaper? Can you, do they make cat diapers? I'm sure they do. Put a they diaper on that ones, thing. I suppose. Yeah. They say, look, you can keep the cat, no problem, but it's going to have to wear something. Yeah. Hey, I tell you what, man, we, we had a, a dog that needed to go down, and I had, none of us recognized it until... Actually, I read an article that a vet had like an emailed out randomly, and I thought, oh, whoa, my dog has all this stuff going on, and she's like past, I think she's, whoa, she has Alzheimer's, and, and she's just, you know, weird, and we were just getting mad at her, you know? Yeah. And then we took her to the vet, and she's like, yeah, you know what? It's time. And that, that just kind of, maybe, maybe the girl doesn't even know. Maybe it really is time. Yeah. But that had, a vet had to tell me. I wasn't, you know, and I, and I didn't really like the dog. Right. But it was still... <laughs> It was still our dog. I right. mean, you know, it's I didn't want to, to be mean to it. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, so, yeah, it was tough. That, that was a bad day. All right, well, you're listening to Live from the Path. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. And uh, just a reminder on that uh, Live from the Path complaint line, 515-517-0085. If you were offended by Nathaniel's gun, shovel, or bedroom option, you can 515-517-0085. That's call or text. And uh, give him a piece of your mind. Uh, he's not going to change his ways unless he gets some good feedback to kind of shape and, uh, and shift him into the man he really should be. And so uh, we're open to that. We'd love to hear from you on the Life from Path Complaint Line. Uh, we do intend to be here next week, I believe. So be in the meantime, be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.